The question I, is, the question is, did de, did Henry Anderson lead with the helmet? Well, uh, <laughs> in America they don't have the helmet as much, don't they? I don't, I don't, I don't think they cut the whole top of it off, Ronan. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. we got a lot of news to get through this week as a lot of stuff has gone down in the NFL. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of games from last week, a couple of questions from you, the listener, and then on to games for next week. So hey, we got Connor here and we got Ronan. Hello. We have no Harry this week as he is out doing business things, for he is a businessman. Yes, clients, they're important. Yeah, you've always got to be closing, I believe. Well, like, based on, like, that picture that came out around Halloween, surely he got one of his underlings to just dress up and go on his behalf instead. 100%. That seems like it would be the easier option to me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they, they all look so convincing. Uh, for those of, you, those of you who don't uh, follow him on Twitter and stuff, uh, Harry's uh, underlings, all the people who works on his team, dressed up as Harry for Halloween, which was uh, a great look altogether. Um, yeah, he'd be a great cult leader. That's it. Uh, so, any crack with yourself, Ronan? How's all down in Cork? Ah, keeping it pretty quiet down here. Watching away, keeping too close an eye on my fantasy teams, uh, which Harry is now forsaken, uh, as you heard last week. Uh, but uh, I'm doing pretty well. I did pretty well this week, so I'm pretty happy overall with that. And it's waiting down the day till the Christmas holidays can begin, to be honest, at work. Yeah, fair enough. I'm uh, I'm knee-deep in work now, because I've gone, I was off for about a week, so I missed here, because I was off in Switzerland for work, and then I was off at a wedding. And uh, now I'm back, and there is about... You know, two months worth of work that needs to get done the next two and a half weeks. So uh, I'll be I'll be flat to the mat. Uh, but no, it's uh, all good apart from that. So I suppose we will crack on in because there's lots to go through. So the main story probably this week uh, is, and this will probably this will be well known to anyone who's listening at the point that this comes out, is uh, Kareem Hunt has been cut by the Kansas City Chiefs. This follows the release of a video by TMZ showing uh, the February 2018 hotel incident where he shoves a woman uh, and hits her in the head, and then I think he kicks another woman in the back. Uh, this was reported at the time there was no charges pressed at the point and there was an investigation but it didn't go anywhere uh, Kareem Hunt explained away the situation and the NFL and the Chiefs seemed happy with that but this video that has come out since uh, contradicts a lot of the claims that Hunt made in his version of events um, KC's sources indicate that they didn't have access to the video or, or they were told specifically by the NFL to not pursue this videotape uh, this is really a bad look for the NFL at the moment like obviously it's a terrible thing that happened but if the stories about them telling people to like not investigate this completely are true that is not a good look yeah it, it's one of those situations where obviously there's kind of two actors who are look very bad obviously Kareem Hunt uh, this behavior is completely unacceptable it wasn't a domestic violence it seems to be kind of like a a dispute that happened in the hotel room where where him and some of his uh, hanger on, hangers on, and then these two women, for whatever reason, altercation has has gone out. There've been various stories about why that might have happened, um, where something been asked that or afterwards, the N word might have been thrown around in regards to to Hunt or his friends. Regardless of what the situation is, you can't push people around, you can't kick them, and you can't get involved in this kind of thing. It's just you know it's not acceptable when you're an NFL player. Yeah, there are both repercussions from the sense that uh, I'm an NFL player, but also because you are, you know, much physically stronger than anyone else there. And oh yeah, you do. It's just got to cause absolute damage that normal people just can't deal with. From the NFL side, you have a situation where obviously the, the indications are they told K, K Kansas City not to pursue the tape, even though Kansas City, uh, the indications they're giving now, although we don't know the truth, how much that's true, we're definitely interested in getting the tape. 
And the police department also hadn't got it, I think, with just misdemeanor in their books, and that doesn't warrant uh, sufficient uh, attention for them to like you know pursue oh, okay, yeah. the hotel through the courts or whatever like that. Obviously, TMZ threw a lot of cash at you know some poorly paid uh, security guard or something to get a told of this. It probably wasn't done in the most legal fashion. Mm-hmm. And I think regardless of what's involved there, I think the NFL, we know that they are in the past being willing to pursue things to almost a comical degree to find out the truth. Uh, but in this situation, they obviously decided to keep it on the down low. And once again, like the Ray Rice situation, like the Adrian Peterson situation, you know, the, phys- the physical video evidence comes out and they look really bad. Yeah. And, you know, it, like I, I actually said it last week when you're away, Adrian Peterson probably isn't going to get suspended until another picture, like the one that came out last time comes out. Yeah. And drops this week and you're like okay this like it's a trend and not one that's making the nfl look good as an organization no not in the slightest now the kansas city once this came out uh they pretty much just immediately caught him uh they said that it was both on the basis of what he did but also on the fact that he lied to the organization about what had happened to it beforehand it seems it's a good response from the team to do it it does make me worry a little bit when you see that the nfl told them to stop looking for a tape so they presumably then just stopped looking for a tape uh, which I don't think is a particularly great look from them, but I do like I do like the reproach they took immediately once it had happened. There's also another incident involving a nightclub uh, from January, I believe, that's now being relooked at. Uh, so Hunt has been placed on the commissioner's exempt list. Uh, he's expecting at least a six-game suspension, if not more, because we're looking at multiple incidents now, and uh, he cleared waivers, so no one decided to uh, mazunguz it and just take a punt on him already. Although you got to imagine, looking at his production in the league and his youth and so on that this is a spot where he's going to go and do an apology tour try and rehab his image a little bit and hopefully sneak onto a team halfway through next season or something like that yeah yeah he's already done a few interviews every single statement coming out has been like like I effed up more or less it's okay this is our podcast you can swear here if you want yeah <laughs> and on tenth and the talent is there so maybe in a, like he might miss the entirety of next season but maybe you know, he gets picked up, uh, maybe he gets picked up late in the season by mm-hmm. a contender uh, when they lose the running back. Uh, but uh, one thing I would say is, like, his attempt to make up for probably isn't helped by Ray Rice getting a load of attention at the same time, trying to mm-hmm. say he'd help him out uh, with this situation. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't think Kareem Hunt needs any help from Ray Rice. No, um, if you if you, if you if you want a good look, now go and have a look at uh, Larry Johnson's Twitter account. Larry Johnson tore him to shreds. Uh, he's an ex-Kansas City running back who had problems of his own, I believe, uh, homos- homophobic slurs and things like that back in then. Uh, since coming out of the league, he's now become a big advocate for not being a dick anymore and is apparently severely damaged from his time playing football. And he's like, what What else did I have to teach you? Look, I made a balls of it. How can you not see don't do the kind of stupid shit I w- would have done back in the day kind of thing? Uh, he's getting it from, from all sides. Uh, the other major piece of news this week is... Uh, the Chiefs assigned Charmander. Uh, no, it's uh, that Green Bay have fired their head coach, Mike McCarthy. Uh, interim head coach will be IBM salesman Joe Philbin. So he's been in charge in Green Bay for 13 years, has a Super Bowl, uh, finished up with pretty decent record, 125-77-2. But he's been there coaching two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, has one Super Bowl to show for it, almost no coaching tree. He's obviously overseen a, a relatively successful tenure there it feels like they've missed a lot of opportunities that they've kind of squandered a lot of very highly talented people in his time there yeah like obviously winning a super bowl is incredibly hard we know that 
with the exception of the Patriots, there, you know, there really hasn't been any kind of powerhouses in the NFL over that period. When you look at this, I think the first issue, you should go back to last season when Aaron Rodgers went out and the team went completely down the toilet. And then you go, well, like if the team is that bad that Aaron Rodgers, what exactly are we doing? And of course, that led to the firing of the defensive coordinator, Dom Capers, another very long-tenured coach. And I think once that happened, I think the writing was on the wall that this was a, you know, you have to make the playoffs and probably maybe even do better than that, make the championship, uh, the NFC Championship at least, I'd say, or you're probably going to get canned. Uh, but I think the Green Bay front office, the fact that they fired him in season, it's incredibly, you know, on Green Bay-like, but I think losing that game to Arizona, which, you know, trivia fact was the first time Arizona had won in, in Lambeau Field since 1949, but losing to a, you know, an also-round, like Arizona at home, with a healthy Aaron Rodgers all season and be effectively eliminated from the playoffs, that's just something that the Green Bay organization can't tolerate. And obviously, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's obviously an amazing quarterback, albeit there is talk about gradual decline here at 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was also known, a lot of rumors have come out afterwards that his relationship with McCarthy had, had deteriorated and he was doing a lot of, like, calling a lot of plays on the line of scrimmage himself. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating McCarthy. Sometimes, even good coaches eventually they run out of time. And I don't think McCarthy was an amazing coach, but he's probably a decent enough coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it just come to a natural end now after the last few seasons. It just it didn't make sense for this relationship to continue any longer. And I suppose like yeah. we, 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 we've seen in the last season or so like a bit of a change in the mindset there. You know, Green Bay will actually you know hire free agents and stuff now as well. There is a bit of a change in culture because they were very much a homegrown, we don't pay for people kind of approach, which probably dented some of their ability to... to, to, to um, to capitalise on the talent they had. But as you said, Aaron Rodgers, while probably one of the best quarterbacks in the game, is 35. Uh, He's had discussions about him having some kind of personality clashes, let's say, with people who believe he's he's, he's above the game. Like like you said, a lot of freelancing and stuff like that. In theory, when you look at this team, it should be a highly sought-after position because they've got a superstar quarterback, they've got excellent wide receiver options. They've got a running back who's finally doing stuff. They've got some nice pieces coming together on that defense, albeit that they didn't get the production this year that they want out of it. But you're also coming into the tail end of Aaron Rodgers' career, a guy who has been notoriously difficult to work with at times. How sought after will this coaching be position be? I think it will be highly sought after. Like I just think like when you look over the other types of jobs that are likely to come open, like Cleveland, for example, like there's some intrigue in Cleveland, but I think Aaron Rodgers, any uh, prospective coach would like would love the idea of having Aaron Rodgers. I think if you can get the best out of Aaron Rodgers, we know he can be the best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. And I kind of lead you down two roads. One would be to take someone who has experience in the NFL and who he'll respect basically on the level of this is someone who's won before and they're going to make this entire team better. Someone like Jim Harbaugh has been thrown around in that kind of level um, as perhaps potentially coming in. I heard that one mentioned, yeah. Um, yeah. On the other hand, maybe you go for the current trend in the league, which is get a you know offensive dynamo, someone who is the new wave in terms of NFL attack. So, so what you're saying is just hire Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, people like him, you could think maybe John DeFilippo, although mm. he has another great season. Um, some of the college coaches, mm. um, or perhaps you know, currently the way San Francisco are going on, maybe you can tempt Kyle Shanahan away there. Um, that would be an interesting idea. Like ultimately, I think those are probably the two routes they're likely to go down, um, uh, and it'll be interesting to see. But I think any coach who is available will definitely look over this, and I think mm. they should have the pick of who's available. 
And either of the Harbaugh's would be a great candidate, in my opinion. That'll be very interesting as well, because Harbaugh went into the 49ers and turned around Alex Smith's career, and he was picked number one overall in place of Aaron Rodgers. So for him to get to try and turn around and kind of get maximise the most out of the careers of both of those guys from the same draft would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Uh, we'll move on and have a look at some of the uh, injuries, because we spent quite a bit. There was, uh, it's surprising to see two large news pieces like that in you know, week 13. So we'll have a look at a couple of the injuries now. So Washington have lost... Uh, Quarterback Colt McCoy, broken leg, he's gone for the season. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, their guard, has torn his bicep, uh, which now means we have the Sanchez is back in town, handing off the ball and uh, recovering fumbles. Do you like... With his butt. Yeah, with his arse. Let's be honest. I am in the black circle yeah, it is. This is... This is a Washington team that like was already struggling with injuries and is now onto a third string quarterback. Presumably it's like twelfth string lineman. Like this this team can't go anywhere now, they're essentially dead, aren't they? Yeah, like I've been on that train for a while now and uh yeah. Giants coming back does not change that. Um as I said, the only good thing about the Mizungu's offense is that it's so vanilla and quarterback friendly that the Sanchez mightn't be a complete disaster. He'd throw maybe a few less picks than he would in other offenses. Uh, but yeah, right now they're going to run it up with Adrian Peterson uh, 20 times a game. And sure, he gets a 90-yard touchdown uh, every couple of games, but he also went for one yard on average all the other carries. Yeah. So uh, not necessarily the greatest. Not in the slightest. Uh, Carolina have had some issues. Tight end Greg Olson has ruptured his plantar fasciitis in his foot again, so it means he's gone for the season. Uh, Cincinnati wide receiver AJ Green has injured his foot again. He's gone for the season. So is their tackle Jake Fisher. Uh, they've signed Andre Smith to replace him. And Denver had actually a huge amount of attrition, if I remember correctly, from this game. So they have cornerback Chris Harris is gone for the season. But I believe they've also lost um, some linebackers as well. Not for the season, but uh, but temporarily. Um these are a couple of messy ones. Like Carolina, I think we're on the downslope, but we're hoping to contend. That hurts them. Cincinnati, let's be honest, they were limping towards the finish already. Um, Denver, this is a big hit for because Denver are kind of doing a bit of a late surge here at the moment. Carolina, this can only hurt them. They got Devin Funches back. He'll probably have to pick up the slack. Ian Thomas maybe coming as well. Yeah, Cincinnati did just another nail in their coffin, nail in the coffin of their season, and just like you're going to have Jeff Driscoll throwing to. You know Tyler Boyd, and that's literally the entire offense. Uh, yeah. Joe Mixon's still there; he'll probably get 100 yards. So, uh, and then yeah, I think Denver—they're the team on the rise and are suddenly of interest because they're playing well and getting hard and getting wins, and their schedule is pretty soft. I think Chris Harris is a massive loss because Bradley Roby, their other quarterback, has been pretty bad overall. So I think this makes them a lot more vulnerable on the back end. Yeah. I still think that they can eke out wins against the kind of teams that they're playing, like San Fran this season, this this week, but. Uh, I think if they do get to the playoffs and Chris Harris can't come back, but it's currently uncertain whether he'll be available for the playoffs, yeah, I think that it's a major negative against them with all those high-power offences that exist in the AFC right now. Yeah, no, of course. Other season-enders include uh, Baltimore running back Alex Collins has gone for the season. That means the return of Kenneth Dixon. Uh, Jakeem Grant for Miami is out. God knows who they're going to be running out at wide receiver now. Uh, Buffalo center Russell Bodine is gone. And Arizona have lost Christian Kirk and Mikey Apati both for the season as well. But those are all, with the exception of Baltimore, uh, also runs. And Baltimore don't really need running backs now that they've got a running back at quarterback. Uh, other injuries are probably the main two would be running back James Connor for the Pittsburgh has a lower leg contusion. He is week to week. Uh, and they're hoping that he will be back as soon as humanly possible because he's a large part of their offense. And they've also got injuries to Justin Hunter, their wide receiver. 
receiver. He's gone for the season, I believe. And the LA Rams have activated Aqib Tlaib off IR. He was back this week. He looked okay. But I think it just, it's, it's one of those major ones coming back just because that defensive backfield has been a bit gack. Aqib Tlaib could be the potential solution down the stretch. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, we'll move on to crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Uh, Ruben Foster has been placed on the commissioner's exempt list uh, after being claimed by the Mzungus uh, because they thought, you know what we need? We need a guy who's been accused of domestic violence twice. Uh, that's who we need for this team. So they've decided to hell with the fact that they're already one of the most disliked franchises and one of the least PR-friendly entities given their name and their front office and their general approach to everyone around them. They've now decided to add Ruben Foster. No, we, we discussed this last week uh, during the podcast, but at that point, I think he'd just been released by San Francisco. But yeah, the look for the Mazungus of actually trying to pick him up and mm-hmm. then the NFL intervening, going like, what the hell are you doing, basically? Yeah. Uh, it's not a good one. But it did give the NFL practice for the Green Hunt situation to, well, get this guy an exemption list before anyone claims him, please. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a much smarter move to do that way. But yeah, this is just, like, what what, what are you thinking, Washington? Because he wasn't even playing well. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know, it's the Mazungas. They're a fucking joke of an organisation. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they deserve all of the, the, the bad stuff that's happened. Except for Alex Smith, he's a nice guy, but the rest mm. of them, and look, look what they did to the one nice guy they got. They broke his leg in like 15 places. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, next up, wide receiver Corderell Patterson was fined 13 grand because he uh, he grabbed Henry Anderson by the dick and balls. Uh, after the play. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was like, it's all, it was all over Twitter last week. Yeah, I think it was worth mentioning that he got a bit of consequence for that. The question uh, is, I, the question is, did, de- did Henry Anderson lead with the helmet? Well... Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think they cut the whole top of it off, running. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Corderell Patterson. Uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, it's unfortunate. Thirteen k. It's a lot, but sure, it's uh, it's almost worth it for the memes. And see, uh, Seattle linebacker Michael Kendricks can now officially return to uh, trading. Uh, so he's decided to set up his own small shop in New Jersey, uh, and he's leaving football for good. No, he's uh, he's he's back to play for the Seattle Seahawks. So are are you looking forward to getting this guy playing, or is he just going to rotate, or what? Uh, he actually was pretty good for the few games he played before he was suspended mm-hmm. again. So I think he'll come right in because he came right in from Cleveland. And like you're replacing someone like Austin Calitro and Marquevious Mingo, so there's there's definitely room for improvement there. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you're not going to replace him for that. Uh, next up, we have trades, extensions, etc. Kansas City bring back running back Charmander West. Uh, he's going to burn it all to the ground. Uh, reuniting the pairing that we had previously of West and Ware in the backfield with a couple of other people sprinkled in here and there. Um, I like the signing because he's generally well-liked in the organisation, knows the playbook. He's not a world-beater by any chance, uh, but he's he's a guy who can play in the system and apparently is, is very well-liked and a very good for, kind of what's, what's the term, a clubhouse guy, kind of helps, uh, helps some of the younger guys along. So uh, looking forward to him being there. And Carolina fired their defensive line coach, Bra- uh, Brady Hoke, and their defensive back coach, Jeff Imamura. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, defensive coordinator Eric Washington has been kept on for now. The Kansas City Chiefs one is just they needed a body there because Hunt is now gone. Carolina, is this really going to change much for them? No, I think it's more like, almost feels like lashing out. Their defense obviously has been pretty gack on this current skid that they're on. Mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like as a team that probably likes to build itself as a defensive team, 
like a run-heavy defense team, traditional NFL football. Like they're just a bit pissed off that you know since John McDermott's gone, the defense just hasn't been the same. So mm-hmm. Eric Washington is on notice, and a few of his deputies have been fired uh, instead of him. Uh, we'll see if they can improve enough to prevent uh, the DC getting uh, shit canned during the off season. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I just I just can't see it doing much for the last couple of games for them to be honest. Nah, like, these are my, these are all <laughs> symbolic. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, another bits of news uh, before we wrap up here. Uh, the LA Rams have secured the NFC West. Uh, San Francisco and Oakland have been eliminated from playoff contention. So we have a battle at the moment for the first overall pick, the uh, the ultimate battle of the Bay, uh, the only one that they deserve. Uh, did you see John Gruden's press conference after the KC game? No, what happened? You should, you, should, you should give it a gander. He had both nice and terrible things to say about Mahomes. Like, he's pretty good. Man, he was a pain in my arse all day. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good fun uh, that's the man that you gave a 10 year 100 million dollar contract to other bits that came out this week that are just a bit of fun Larry Fitzgerald officially has more career tackles than drop passes uh, he has tackled 37 tackles and 29 drop passes uh, that's quite impressive yeah he should probably play defence yeah quite obviously uh Tom Brady has once again gone over a thousand rushing yards for his career on a kneel down. He had to negotiate with the rest to stop him dropping back below it. And yeah. Bill Belichick said afterwards in a press conference, it's very important to them that he gets a thousand yards. <laughs> yeah, like this is one of the most aggressive kneel downs you will see. I think the defense was kind of taking a little bit of back with it, but like the, the offensive line took a step forward. Just, and then, yeah. And yeah, he, he did a little celebration when he got the uh, run. They got him over a thousand. Mm. Uh, did the, first, uh, the first down kind of point. And a big old smile on his face. Uh, we'll see if he can keep it uh, during the other Neil Dance. He could always just send Brian Hoyer out there, but apparently Tom Brady doesn't take plays off. <laughs> and uh, there was a couple of uh, incidences of uh, bad language around the league this week as well, which is great. Bill Belichick and Adam Thielen told each other to fuck off. Um, I believe Thielen was annoyed because he believed the safety for New England was faking an injury so that uh, Belichick could decide whether or not to throw a challenge flag. Uh, never, never. That's not what they do. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan got flagged for using multiple f bombs, and uh, in slightly more serious news, Bills defensive tackle Jerry Hugh uh, called a referee a bitch and said that he'd find him in the parking lot later and get him there. Uh, uh, was just threatening the ref in the tunnel, which uh, not not a great look. Actually, I think he was called a bitch by the referee. I think. Oh, he's called a bitch. But he he said, but he was the one who said like he he'd find the referee in the car park afterwards yeah, and no, sort of. Yeah, he did make the threaten the referee afterwards or in the football. Uh, and the Kyle Shanahan, the context apparently around that is that um, their linebacker had like his his cleat had come off, and Russell Wilson picked it up and threw it away onto like the sideline, and he had the, the linebacker had to come off, and apparently that was the last the straw for Kyle Shanahan. He just. He absolutely, like, he said, fuck you, basically. Like, very easily readable. Uh, so, uh, Kyle, he's not having a very good season, so. No, he's not at all. And uh, I suppose with that, we'll move on and have a look at some of the games from last week. Okay, so first up in the Ring of Honor, the uh, LA Chargers at 9-3 go on to the Pittsburgh Steelers 7-4-1 and and win 33-30. This was a big win for the Chargers with uh, 16 points in the second half comeback from Rivers. Keenan Allen going off for, I think, about 29 catches. Uh, Justin Jackson and a lot of special teams work. They are really ramping up in the AFC West race. Uh, There's going to be a big game in two weeks' time between them and the Chiefs. That's going to be exciting. Pittsburgh collapse in the second half. Like, it's their second loss in two weeks 
weeks, both to AFC West teams, which is unfortunate. They've got New England and New Orleans left to play as well, which is not exactly what you want to be looking at. Baltimore only a half game behind them, and that division is all to play for. Uh, now, there was some luck in this game. You know, Chargers didn't necessarily do it all themselves. They got some gifts from the referees, some, uh, you know, kickers who aren't the traditional uh, Chargers going to charge style kicking. Although it did take, what, four offside penalties? for them? Three, three offside attempts at the very end of the game. This is an interesting one because I think this is one I picked the Chargers to win this. I thought they'd have it. I wasn't actually expecting it to end up this close. But some of the mistakes that were made, especially on the part of Pittsburgh in this game, really surprised me. Because normally they are a team that it's in this back section that you see them really start to take off and ramp up for a playoff run. Yeah, like it's, it's the weirdest thing because obviously the Chargers are the team that we traditionally associate with bumbling around, fucking things up. Yeah, in this game, it was the Steelers who, again and again, uh, either deliberately or just through bad luck, ended up screwing themselves over. They had a very strong first half, and obviously they were 16 uh, points up uh, early on in the in the third quarter, and then they gave it away. Now, obviously, like the Chargers had a lot of luck there, uh, both in terms of like there was a touchdown for Allen that basically only happened because Joe Hayden ran into one of his fellow defenders, on a probable interception in the mm-hmm. red, like in the actual end zone, uh, there was a no call on a potential fumble, no um, false start call uh, that was picked out on the broadcast, specifically like uh, on a touchdown to Travis Benjamin, and then obviously the kicking, like the three penalties at the end. It's not unprecedented for Pittsburgh to be highly undisciplined, but I think this is just an extra level of it, and maybe you feel that with the Denver game last week, the way that they lost that that maybe there's a bit of frustration there and maybe, you know, Mike Tomlin, but just again and again when they get down to these kind of close games, sometimes they just don't seem to have the discipline to beat them. The only team that is less disciplined is the Cincinnati Bengals why they keep beating them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, It's very unfortunate because, yeah, Baltimore, they're winning games. I don't know if that's sustainable or not, especially with KC coming up this week, but, yeah. uh, you know, they're only a half game behind you. You can't really take any risks right now. That's it, that's it. And uh, this this Chargers team, as I said, kind of rounding into form here, still performing. Joey Bosa's back and performing very well. They're getting massive production out of Keenan Allen. Uh, Rivers is playing the best he's played in a number of years. This is overall very impressive. Uh, they've got a couple of difficult games coming up in the back section here because they've obviously got KC. I think they've got Baltimore as well. Um, but they are a team that I think, I think we can say basically, look, the Chargers are definitely in the playoffs. The question is whether or not they're going to be a buy with a home game or whether they'll be a, be a, a travelling wild card, you know? Um, yeah, to be fair, the one team that the, the home game probably isn't that important to. Yeah, it's quite true. It's <laughs> quite buy, true. A buy would be nice, but the home game, not so much. Do you think that they move the LA Chargers game if they get a home playoff game? Because you've got to imagine a playoff game sells more than 30,000 tickets. There would have to be a lot of money from around to get that moved. Like certainly that's something that if it did happen, I think they'd probably talk to people. But, yeah, uh, but we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, this is a Chargers team that I think are looking dangerous and could properly threaten uh, d- down the backstretch. Like the game next week against Kansas City is is huge. I'm quite happy it's a home game at least, but the way they're playing and the way that the Kansas City defense is playing, I don't know, that's that's, that's a tough one. It's close. Like you still have the game up on them. Uh, that, that's obviously a major uh, advantage. And they have, they don't, they don't, they have, uh, they have some uh, like hard games, as you say. So mm. not, yeah. I think there's a lot of games to be played. If I think if the Chiefs win uh, in their game in two weeks' time, then obviously I think 
they're going to get it. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, it could be very interesting week 16, 17. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, we'll move on to the neutral zone. Uh, Chicago at the New York Giants. This was a 27-30 to 30 win for the Giants in overtime. Uh, the Giants hold on. They got themselves a nice bit of a lead, but Chicago were able to make a bit of a comeback in the fourth quarter. They made it up a 10-point difference, uh, including recovering an onside kick to do that. So this is a... Uh, this is a very interesting look. Chicago have had to play the last two games with their backup quarterback, Chase Daniel, who I think is still probably the, the, the highest paid pair pass quarterback in the league at the moment, even though he's finally had to play two games. <laughs> Going one and one with him is not the worst thing in the world. And, you know, they've got Mitch Trubisky coming back and they've still got that defense looking incredibly strong, albeit that this wasn't a fantastic performance from them. You should be able to go on the road and beat a Giants team, let's be honest, even if it's Chase Daniels who you've got under centre. Does this type of performance worry you, or do you think this is just a, should look, survive the backup quarterback, get 500 during that period, and then get your, your starter back in? I think I'm not too worried. I think with like Mitchell Trubisky, he's, uh, he's been very good, if kind of inconsistent. Um, I think they can definitely be considered at the top of the NFC hierarchy along with the Rams and the Saints. I think they're a little bit below that, but they're certainly not. Uh, they can't be dismissed, and obviously Dallas uh, are, are up there now after their uh, surprise win against New Orleans. Uh, I think what this game did expose for Chicago is a weakness that's been kind of there all season, which is that they don't really have a run game, or I should say they don't really have a traditional run game right now, because Jordan Howard's doing nothing. And their next backup is Tariq Cohn, who's obviously had an amazing game, uh, both uh, both catching the ball but also throwing a touchdown himself at the very last play of, of, regu- of regulation. Uh, but obviously, he's not going to run between the tackles. He's not Christian McCaffrey. Out mm-hmm. um, so, <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, with Chicago, with that defense, if they had a run game, a good run game and a defense, would mean that they'd be very hard uh, to kind of take down. They could control the line of scrimmage. But I think right now, I think it's, it's a credit to Matt Nagy that despite the fact that they're missing that element, which is usually very useful uh, for a championship contender, and certainly is for the other NFC uh, contenders, um, he's doing a really good job of scheming around what he has, making the best of Mitch Trubisky when he's playing and making the best of Chase Daniel here. Like, Matt Nagy's doing the best of what he has right now, but I think maybe this is a team that they can certainly, I think they'll have a fighter's chance in the playoffs when they probably make it there. Mm-hmm. But maybe are maybe just a couple of steps below what they need to be to really contend this year. But next year, if they can get a run game going, uh, there's certainly no reason why they couldn't be considered a favourite next season as well. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, New York Giants at 4-8. and eight. This is kind of infuriating for them because this is the kind of win that means nothing apart from a less good pick next year. There's an interesting narrative going on. So Saquon Barkley is just, he's being very, like, he's dominating. 125 yards and 21 carries. Like, really just being the motor behind this team. But... <laughs> You still got to look at it and say, like, as good as he is as a running back, they don't have a team that needed a running back. They have a team that needed a quarterback. Like, can they look at this pick and say this was the right decision when you see, like, success coming out of the Baker Mayfields and things like that and seeing potential from a couple of the other ones? Like, is this a team that's going to be able to go into next year, get a quarterback and compete? Or is this a team that's going to now squander the three or four years of this running backs rookie contract trying to get a team together and then have it breaking up around the time that anything starts to be able to click uh, as long like okay the big issue is that like obviously if they start winning a couple of games down the stretch that they don't re-sign Eli Manning as long as they can avoid that like it's not going to be a complete disaster next season in my opinion I think yes I think it's true that Barkley um, has been amazing 
Offensive Rookie of the Year, probably by a landslide. I think only maybe Philip Lindsay really in contention right now, and maybe maybe Baker Mayfield if he's a really good last four games. Uh, but I think like Baker Mayfield is the only one that they couldn't get because he went number one. Mm-hmm. Other quarterbacks who have gone, who first round quarterbacks haven't been amazing. They've kind of been up and down. At least they've got away with the fact that Baker Mayfield was the only one who's looking really good right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem for them is that yes, they need a quarterback, and we know all they need to do is like look at their fellow stablemates uh, in that stadium in the Jets to know what not having a quarterback looks like and obviously the Jets are getting another preview of that with, with, with Sam Darnold currently being injured mm-hmm. so I, for the Giants it's an existential issue right now because with Saquon Barkley they have that three year like well they'll have three additional years of, and four if they take the option of having an elite running back they have OBJ signed to a new contract uh, they have some other pieces there like Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard and the offensive line while not good at least is better than it has been previously with the signings they made so yeah they need a quarterback so bad and if they can get that then suddenly they're going to turn into a contender because the rest of it seems pretty good yeah no of course so New York Giants finding a bit of a finding a bit of a groove but in the long term interest probably don't find that groove to be too good you know uh, finally into the dumpster fire good god I forgot that this game was a thing <laughs> Indianapolis went to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the score was 0-6 to six. <laughs> Indianapolis shit the bed in the, in the AFC South race they had a 5 game win streak and we mentioned at the time while you know Andrew Luck was playing well if you actually look at the teams that they were beating over that period we have Buffalo who are terrible but have an okay defense who could occasionally turn up Oakland who are clearly a very good team given how they played against Kansas City last week but uh, I'm not very good Um, Jacksonville who are at the time complete shite they're still not great now but their defense showed up in this game Tennessee and Miami those weren't good teams I can kind of see them getting into the playoffs and playing hot, but this is the kind of inconsistency that makes me think I, I, I don't massively want to see this team in the playoffs at the moment, I don't think. Well, like the, like it's really them versus like the Ravens and Tennessee, but we definitely don't want to see Tennessee. So they're probably like the second best option. They're a team which has a lot of really promising pieces, but on the offense and the defense, uh, like obviously Andrew Luck is playing out of his skin, back player of the year almost certainly T.Y. Hilton continues to be a great wide receiver one uh, and you know their offensive line has been a revelation this season uh, including Quentin Nelson their first round pick and on the defense they have Darius Leonard but in between all of those really bright spots there's a lot of like you know leftovers uh, like there's Pierre Desaire there's like players like Dontrell Inman who was picked up off the street and Ryan Grant like I, like I think this was a team that were like they can get hot, and if they get hot, they could be an interesting wildcard team. But they're obviously still a season away of getting more draft picks in and perhaps more free agents in to really make a push to challenge teams like Kansas City, uh, the Patriots, the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers, etc. Uh, I think they're like the one thing is with Andrew Luck, they're fun. They're fun usually, but in this game, Jacksonville just seemed to suck all of the fun out of football, and that was enough to win a game that. Uh, no one will want to remember uh, after this point in time basically yeah the uh, Jacksonville defence turned up in this game and it looked very much like the Jacksonville defence that we saw uh, during you know their run last year and whether that's just you know having Blake Bortles on the bench or the inspiring shape that is cut by Cody Kessler and is 18 <laughs> for 150 
uh, I believe it was in another podcast had the line, and I think they're very correct in saying, look, Cody Kessler, he's the man to go to if you just need to score six points. <laughs> <laughs> We know that the Jacksonville defense is full of personalities. Uh, Jim Ramsey, probably the primary one. I, I, I believe you've, you've mispronounced the word wankers. Yeah, well, <laughs> as a Seahawks fan, I can't really get away with uh, like denouncing uh, defenses that uh, have a bit of uh, yeah. a, a problematic image or whatever. Uh, but like, no, like I think it was the case that once they got going, I think once they were holding Andrew Luck, this much vaunted quarterback, uh, to you know very few points early on. They got into it and they kept trying. And I suppose, with the exception of T.Y. Hilton, there really wasn't much for Andrew Luck to do. And, you know, 52 attempts from Andrew Luck, zero points, uh, several interceptions. I think Jacksonville, we know they have the talent there if they showed up. And today they chose to show up for whatever reason. I don't think, I don't know if this is reputable. I don't know if they're going to go on a run and spoil a load of other people's seasons. Uh, but I think for them, it, it's a good way to do stuff. Uh, obviously, with Cody Kessler in that offense. Uh, they're somehow like they're the most boring team possible. They're basically like Blake Bortles without any of the actual interesting things, which yeah. is like, horrific. But if this defense plays like this, uh, a lot of teams will may find themselves struggling a bit more than they expected. Re- uh, re- realistically, if you're sat there in a team like this and you've got Cody Kessler, would you not just go and see right what what teams do we like? So like New England tend to do good, whoever like. Any, anyone else you seem to think might have good, just go and raid a practice squad player from someone and just play them for two or three weeks and see if you have someone who you can throw in there as competition for whoever you draft next year. Yeah, exactly. Especially because, obviously, Fournette was on his one-game suspension this week. He'll be back next week, so there's going to be a lot more handoffs uh, going forward. So, like, if Mark Sanchez can start a few games, I don't see why you can't pick up someone of Mark, well, hopefully better than Mark Sanchez level, who's a young, promising player somewhere. Yeah. I just think Cody Kessler, he's a bit of a busted flush, and he's, he's he doesn't even really have any physical upside. Never mind any really football upside. He's just he's just a career backup at best. Basically. He is, and to be honest, I'm not sure if it's even a backup. To be honest, because it's not really, it's not even really a short term answer you want. Like the fact that our our response to him playing is, would you not just try someone who's never played before? <laughs> it kind of says a huge amount about where we oh, think where he sits. No, uh, so we'll swing on to a couple of questions from you, the listener. So first up, we have a question in from Emmett. He says, oh, it's about the game we just talked about. He said, should Jacksonville just treat every game like one where they aim to keep opponents scoreless and just punt every first down on every first down going forward? Presumably just, you know, if your best, if all your best people are on your defense, then just keep your defense on the field at all times. You know, you got to get your playmakers involved. Yeah, I think to be sporting, instead of punting it, they should like talk to the Bills and convince them to get rid of Kevin Benjamin, which they should, should do, and then sign Kevin Benjamin and just throw it in, because that's pretty much punting uh, on every time regardless. Mm. Uh, and you can somehow crater Kevin Benjamin's statistics even further. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it'll be, inter- it'll be an interesting statistic, because I suppose it'll be, is this any less boring than handing it off to Leonard Fournette from here to the end of the season? Probably not. Well, this is the thing. I think, I think you get a fun with this. So basically what you do is you just, like... You punt, but you set up Leonard Fournette as a gunner on all punts, <laughs> and just have him sprint downfield and try and ruin people. It'll be, uh, be interesting. I, I think it'll probably fly somewhat in the face of the uh, NFL's hopes to try and make the game safer. Yeah, not the worst idea. I think, like I said, I think probably their best option is to go get some quarterback who's never played football before and see what they can get out of them instead. But 
barring that, I think punting and getting your defense on there might not be the worst idea. This next one comes from someone who only wants to be identified as Jurek's official Twitter handle. Uh, says, Philip Rivers' wife is now pregnant. Once this new child is born, then he'll be able to field an entire offense with him and his wife at the helm. Similarly, Antonio Cromartie, with all his children, will be able to field an entire defense. Who would win, the Rivers' offense or the Cromartie's defense? Yeah, you see, I think Antonio Cromartie has the advantage that he has... Uh his children have come from from several women. Mm. Well, they had a lot more women to field for rotation purposes. I think that will give them a little bit of an advantage. Like I know Philip Rivers; he's a great quarterback, having an MVP like season. But uh, I think uh, just that rotation could make the difference on this team. I just think those babies uh, just won't be able to block effectively for uh, from Antonio Cromartie. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's corner blitz every time. Yeah, because this is the thing. Like as much as we'd like to think, like you know, Cromartie like good defensive player and everything but if he's drawing up the plays he knows fuck all about protections <laughs> so yeah I think overall the winner would be uh, us as fans because it would make a hell of a game to watch babies try and play football against full grown ex NFL athletes <laughs> And uh, our final question comes in from someone who identifies themselves as Tony Lynn and it says uh this is a traditional question around this time of year. Uh, should we remove division restrictions for seeding for the playoffs? And Kansas City and LA Chargers being the example here. So obviously the issue is you can have a... So the, the, the one, two, three and four seeds all come being the winners of the different uh, divisions within a conference. And then the wild cards, the five and six, are the two next best placed teams. What you'll see in a number of instances and what's threatening to happen this year would be the likes of the... If the Kansas City Chiefs won out and the LA Chargers won out, uh, well I suppose they both can't but uh, but basically you would see uh, an LA Chargers team probably having a much better uh, record than one of the teams who will be seated ahead of them say the AFC North specifically because they are a runner up in a division they would get a worse seating position and no chance of home field against those people so what do we think we've, we've talked about this a couple of years at this point now Ronan it does seem like a spot where I think once you guarantee that every that every division has a representative in it. It would seem only fair that uh, that the home field would be decided by the team's record rather than the fact that it happens to be the winner of a randomly assigned, let's be honest, for the most part, uh, conference or division. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind. Like I, I, like, I suppose home field advantage based on record would be kind of an interesting twist, like kind of a mixture between the division thing, which obviously ensures that every division gets a single playoff team, uh, and but that being that is separated from the uh, away home advantage, uh, that could be an interesting twist on it. And certainly, I think there should be some reward for having the second best record mm-hmm. in in your conference uh, or in the league, you know, whatever it ends up being. And I think that's not a bad. I, I wouldn't. I would consider like if you're going to move towards a more actually the best teams get into the playoffs and are seated appropriately, that's certainly a small minor step that you might be able to get away with. Uh, versus kind of the moving divisions all together, which is probably something which they don't want to do for marketing reasons. Yeah, of course. Like like we said that like there's no the way to play each other so that they have something to on Sunday night. Yeah, no, of course. But like that's what we said. Like because I kind of understand that they need to have representatives from all the conferences because sometimes you'll get a tougher uh, division that you'll have to play and stuff like that. So sometimes different divisions will have tougher schedules and so on, and this ensures that at least one person gets out from each of them. But I do think that they're right that maybe the maybe the once, once you've guaranteed a representative from each, that you should purely use record to decide uh, seating for uh, home and away purposes. Um, so yeah, thanks, Tony. Uh, I'm sure you have no vested interest in the answer to that question. 
whatsoever. And uh, with that, we will move on to looking at the picks for next week. So uh, our picks for this week. First up, we have Jacksonville at Tennessee. We're taking Tennessee across the board. Uh, Ronan? Uh, yeah, because, well, Jacksonville, well done. You scored six points in one game. Uh, Tennessee can probably score more than six points and therefore win this game. They're at home as well. I think Jacksonville. I'm not willing to trust this Jacksonville team until they do something else. Yeah, 100 I'm, Hundred uh, percent. Next up, we have Carolina at Cleveland. Uh, you and Harry have gone for Cleveland. I've gone for Carolina. I think look, the Cleveland team looked decent. The Carolina team have been massively underperforming the last couple of weeks. I think they always manage to keep themselves a bit in contention. They need this game to do that, uh, and obviously this widespread change in their defensive coordinating uh, sub uh, <laughs> sub managers is going to make all the world of difference against this team. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just think Carolina, they like to keep themselves a little bit relevant and to do that, they have to win this game. Yeah, I think it's one of those games, I think it's one of those games that's kind of interesting because we don't really have a decent read of where either of these teams are. Mm-hmm. They, coming off that loss, that, that pretty much hammering by Houston, Carolina on this three-game skid. Uh, yeah, it will be really interesting to see who could come out of this looking like the team with more uh, optimism for the last stretch of the season. Yeah, of course. Next up is my pick of the week, uh, Baltimore at Kansas City. We've gone for Kansas City across the board. Look, Kansas City, very exciting offense. Baltimore, best defense in the league at the moment, outside of maybe the Bears, but this is the best scoring defense and so on uh, for keeping team opposing teams to the lowest number of points. Kansas City are currently, I think, the highest scoring pair snap and the Baltimore are the lowest points allowed pair snap played against them. So one of these two things can no longer remain true, uh, hopefully. Uh, so <laughs> I know that's not technically correct, but I imagine that I've got a good likelihood of it not being true after this week. Um, just overall, this is a good, defensive team in Baltimore Kansas City are trying to figure out what they're going to do now that they don't have the running back in Hunt anymore we'll see the return of Charkandrick West uh, Baltimore have become a much more exciting team now with uh, with the new quarterback under centre although apparently the story is that they're going to split snaps during this game which is something that we've learned on numerous television shows does not work particularly well um, they're coming into Kansas City I think it's going to be a great game it's key for us to keep these games winning because as we said the Chargers are breathing down our legs so I'm just looking forward to it Next up, Indianapolis at Houston. I've gone for Indy. Fitz, you've gone for Houston. Harry's gone for Indy. Tell us a bit about this. Yeah, like I think Indianapolis are more probably a more interesting team. They're obviously doing some really exciting things with, with Andrew Luck and etc. But as we just discussed, they just got beaten by a terrible Jacksonville team who scored only six points. I think Houston, we've doubted them. We haven't really bought into them. They have obvious weaknesses along their offensive line, which they've kind of gone around by going back to a more run-heavy offense and their defensive backfield has come along with Green Jackson and Tyron Matthew being okay this season. Yeah. Uh, I just think after what they did to Cleveland and being on this massive win streak, it's time to give them some respect, so that's why I'm picking them uh, to win at home against Indianapolis. But yeah, it, it, like Indianapolis, they, they do need to win this game to stay relevant, uh, potentially in the AFC wildcard hunt, or in the mm-hmm. division even. Uh, but I'm, I'm just willing to pay respect to Houston right now. That's obviously why they're going to bollocks me over and lose. Oh, uh, 100 Hundred <laughs> percent. Um. Yeah. Like this is this is essentially it's kind of a pick'em game really for me. I think either team could do it. I do think that Houston are a good team, and I think 
they, but I think this is exactly the kind of game that they make balls of because it's an in-division game. It's just... Ah, it's, there's just so many things. And also, Indianapolis, they strike me as the kind of team who are like, they're going to be pissed off at how badly they played on Thursday that this is a good makeup game because it also helps them in that division race too. Next up, New England at Miami. You've gone from New England across the board. This is an interesting one because this is the game that they always traditionally struggle in going down to yeah, Miami. I, I definitely inputted Harry's pick for this as Miami, but apparently he's going to... He's going to go against his own intuition, his guidance, and pick New England in Miami. Yeah, it's a, it's a ballsy move from all of us, but uh, yeah, yeah, New England to, to, to keep it going. Next up, New York Giants at Washington. Uh, we've gone for the Giants across the board, Fitz. Uh, Mark Sanchez uh, yeah. versus Saquon Barkley. Uh, I know Saquon Barkley doesn't play quarterback, but he's better than Mark Sanchez, that's for sure. Yeah, um, Washington are just a mess. Yeah, Washington are just, yeah, like, I hope that they've just got 50 men to, to suit up for the day, to be honest, at the rate that they're currently going. Next up, New Orleans at Tampa Bay. We've got from New Orleans across the board. Uh, yeah, like, Tampa Bay on a two-game win streak at this point, but New Orleans are really, really good. Uh, we didn't discuss their loss to Dallas this week, but essentially they're going to want revenge, and this is a this Tampa Bay defense is, I think, just in almost every stat, the worst defense in the league at the moment. Uh, they are horrendously bad. And I would expect to see Drew Brees and their stable of running backs and, I don't know, probably like their backup punter and stuff just go to town <laughs> in this one. Um, but expect it to be quite high scoring because I think Tampa Bay, they've got a bit of things to prove so they're going to try and, and come back at them. Uh, yeah. Next up, Atlanta at Green Bay. We've gone for Green Bay across the board, Fitz. Yeah, I think this is like two teams that we all came in with high expectations for the season and their seasons are more or less over. Obviously, Green Bay are going to have a new coach in Philbin. Atlanta, you know, they're, they've been basically terrible for about a month now. Uh, and I think, you know, I think we're going for Green Bay just because uh, they're at home. It's Lambeau Field. And we know that Matt Ryan in, like, adverse conditions tends to have a massive drop-off. Yeah. I think that would just be enough. That means their offense won't get enough points and Green Bay can, can scurry mm-hmm. that. But then again, Arizona just beat Green Bay and Lambeau. So anything's possible. Yeah, that's uh, true. No, I would absolutely love to see what an argument about an offensive play call between Aaron Rodgers and Joe Philbin would look like. Like, do you know that film Office Space was just like, yeah, so I'm going to need you to... <laughs> I just get a feeling that's exactly what those conversations would be like. Um, next up, the Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we've gone for Buffalo. Harry's gone for the Jets. Interesting move by Harry. Both these teams are terrible. Don't watch this football game. Uh, I don't Buffalo are kind of stupid fun right now, whereas the Jets are just sad. Yeah. It, it, it's a game to watch the highlights of, I think, rather than yeah, watch the no, game of. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so we've gone for Buffalo and Harry's gone for the Jets. Next up, Cincinnati at the Chargers. We've all gone for the Chargers because Cincinnati are an absolute free fall. They've got a backup quarterback. They have most of their offensive weapons missing. Joe Mixon will probably have a good day. The Chargers are on the rise. Uh, yeah, just can't see anything else happening. Denver at San Fran. We've all gone for Denver, Fitz. Yeah, like Denver, they're obviously sneaking into wildcard contention potentially for that last spot. Uh, they're going into San Francisco, who've been terrible and are basically a tailspin. And yeah, should be enough on that. Like Obviously, their defense is pretty good. and There's not much to challenge that defensive backfield that's currently injured. 
Uh, and you know, you've seen plenty of Philip Lindsay and Emmanuel Sanders, and that should be enough to make Case Keenum look like a competent quarterback. So yeah, hundred percent. Uh, next up, Philly at Dallas. Uh, we've gone for Dallas across the board. Philadelphia are on the way, way down slopes. Dallas have looked good the last couple of weeks. They got an incredible performance out of their defense and their running game to uh, to eke out the win against the Saints there recently. So, I, to be honest, I just can't see them doing anything other than using this to kind of lock up their position in that uh, NFC East. Next up, Pittsburgh at Oakland. Uh, we've gone for Pittsburgh across the board. I, kinda, I had a brief moment where I kind of wanted to go for Oakland. I was like, Nah, I can't justify that. No, it's that. a mirage, Connor. Don't believe. Like Oakland, they, they, they like, No, no, no. But it's, it's for it's for the it's for the clean sweep because if Oakland win, then Pittsburgh have lost to all of the AFC West. <laughs> okay, that would be pretty cool. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oakland, even in the games that Oakland play close, like the game in Kansas City, they have found uncanny ability to lose those close games, regardless. So uh, even against a team like Pittsburgh, which is kind of fucking up themselves a lot, I think. Uh, Oakland are the king of fuck-ups. And- 100%. Uh, next up, Detroit at Arizona. Uh, we've got for Detroit across the board. This is a game not to watch as well. Um, Arizona... No redeeming. Like, no, nothing redeeming about this one. No, there's nothing. Um, yeah, neither of these teams need to be watched at the moment. Uh, so let's pretend the game doesn't exist. Uh, Rams at Chicago. We've gone for the Rams across the board. Uh, this is an interesting one. I did I did go over and back on whether or not to, to side because like Chicago are at home. The Rams have to travel a good distance to get there. They do have a good defense. It should be the return of Mitch Titties. But it's so hard to see past this Rams team. Like they're just like... Their offense is very, very good, so it should match up well against the Chicago team. Their defense's strengths should play against what the strengths of the Chicago team are because Mitch Trubisky's not going to want to be on his legs for too long in this game with uh, with Aaron Donald and, and Sue and everyone coming in to try to crash down on him. Uh, like, What do you think about this one? Because I do think this is one of the better games this week. Yeah, no, this is a really important game at the top of the NFC. I think if the Rams win this, they're the number one seed is more or less effectively theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for Chicago, it's a, it's a really important game. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky, he, you know, in the games he was winning, there wasn't really that many tests. So it'll be interesting to see whether he can do enough in a, obviously it's going to be a high-powered game, as we saw in the Kansas City game, likely, um, to, you know, keep them in it, basically. So expect to see the ball thrown around a lot, lots more Jerry Cohen, lots more Anthony Miller, lots more Alan Robinson. Mm-hmm. But like, you just compare those names to the names on the LA Rams offense, you suddenly realize that, yeah, uh, I'd much rather take like Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, uh, Josh Reynolds, Todd Gurley, yeah. uh, and Jared Goff. And you, uh, in an offensive shootout, we know that the Rams are probably have that slight advantage. Uh, if they can beat the Chiefs, they can probably beat yeah, but I have that feeling. Uh, but like I said, the, the one thing that might blend is the distance and so on into it. Finally, we have uh, Ronan's pick of the week, Minnesota at Seattle. I've gone for Seattle, Harry's gone for Seattle, and Fitz has gone for Minnesota because he really needs Seattle to win and he's realised that every time that he says Seattle will win, they lose, and every time he says they're going to lose, they win. In the close games, like, I picked them against San Francisco or whatever. Yeah, this is a cunning ruse on my part, obviously. Uh, and yeah, like I think it's a, it's a very interesting game. Obviously, these two are probably... Uh, the two favourites, I think, in the wild card hunt right now, based on record. Um, I think they still have a hack in advantage over the, their fellow like, mid, mid one. Seattle are obviously on a, a bit of form right now. They've beaten all of their close contenders in recent weeks. They beat Green Bay, they beat Carolina, uh, and then they obviously trounced the San Francisco 49ers. So I think Seattle are in really good form. They're kind of feeling themselves right now. 
they obviously have a plan A that will be trying to run the ball down the gut, see what they can do against this Minnesota defensive front. But we saw in the Carolina game that if that gets stuck, they are willing and able to put Russell Wilson in there and do do things uh, and show that he's a good quarterback still. Uh, their defense is still a bit suspect, but they are good against the run. So Dalvin Cook, they won't be able to rely on him to kind of take the pressure off of Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins, just when every time Kirk Cousins is under pressure in the pocket, uh, he looks a bit like bouncy. He just doesn't look comfortable right now yeah. behind the defensive line. It's making a huge difference in our offense, which looked so good early on in the season with Thielen and Diggs. Kind of, and both of them are kind of carrying knocks as well. I think for Minnesota, if they're going to win this game in Seattle, their defense is going to have to show up really well. And I think they're going to need to hold Seattle to like less than 20 points. I don't expect this to be a very high-scoring game. Uh, but I think Minnesota certainly, I, I think this is a coin flip game. Uh, I think the fact Seattle are home, I can see why you could pick them. And obviously, I'm only really fake picking Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if, like, if it's like confession with like God or whatever, you can't say it. Uh, but regardless, uh, yeah, it should be an interesting game. What's, um, what's Seattle's record at the moment? I believe they're 7-4, seven and, uh, seven and or 75. Yeah, so that's fine. So you're definitely good then because... Last week, Minnesota game with Kirk Cousins proved more of the point that we've been saying for a number of years. Kirk Cousins, I believe, is something like 4-27 and 27 against teams with winning records. He can't beat good teams. Uh, yeah, That's, that is a problem for him. <laughs> that, that is somewhat of a problem towards success in the NFL. Especially for something you gave like, uh, a shit ton of guaranteed money to. Uh, but no, like, like, if Seattle win this, they're probably well on their way to a wild card. I think uh, for a team that was written off before the season... Uh, I think they'd be very happy to be in consideration. They're one of these teams no one wants to play, TM. Uh, so uh, we'll see in a month or so whether uh, the hopes of this Seattle fan uh, come true and we get to see some playoff uh, football this season. Yeah, it'd be fun times. Uh, so that'll wrap us up for this week. Uh, any other crack with yourself for this weekend or any plans? Uh, no, nothing too crazy. I'm planning to go see Sorry to Bother You, which is a film... Uh, ah, Yes half a year ago so if you're an American listener it was like ages ago but uh, this is one of the films that like everyone that I mentioned is like you have to see this film uh, all the critics and stuff that I've seen some of my friends um, so I'll probably go see that uh, yeah. other than that probably keep it quiet uh, I'm, most of my fantasy teams aren't really doing much this week because I'm guaranteed so I'll actually not have to worry too much about that stuff oh very <laughs> handy which yeah. is nice it's, it's pretty relaxing relative to what the last few have been very handy yeah, I've got, I'm going to have a bit of Christmas shopping to do and a few bits and pieces to sort out uh, and get cracking on. I've got an assignment thing due in next week. And You're busy, basically. Yeah, and I've got a load of work to do over the next week or two because I've just yeah. found out I have to do a couple of presentations and work on that. So uh, I've got lots lots to be getting up to. Uh, I'm going to be flat to the mat for the next two weeks, which is not fun because uh, it's going to cut into my football watching time. Is that Chiefs uh, Chargers game in prime time? No, it's not. I don't. Oh, damn it! It is, isn't it? It's Thursday night football. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh, no! I'm not going to stay up and watch it. I'm not. I think, uh, yeah, it's it's the main concern, and we will discuss it next week, but my main concern about that game is that so we're going to have a tough game against this, this Baltimore team, and then we have literally four days turnaround to then have to play the Chargers. The only plus is that we're at home for that game. Yeah, and the Chargers get to play Cincinnati, so... Yeah, yeah. Not, fair. Not really fair, but your luck will survive. Uh, 
Who knows? They could they, they could make a balls of it against Cincinnati. Sure, who knows? Uh, it's it's not like Cincinnati have to travel to them, and they're a far better team than that absolute dumpster fire over there. Um, but yeah, no. Apart from that, no. The crack. We'll have Harry back next week uh, for more chats and crack. And as always, fire us your questions on Facebook, Twitter, social medias. I don't know. Throw put in the bottle, throw it into the ocean, and we might find it. When we're out for a walk at some point, or someone else might just give them existential dread. Yeah, well, I don't think Harry would be happy with that since he's, he's a Green Party member, but sure, mm. they might. Well, no, as we said, like, okay, make it a glass bottle, right? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, uh, fun times. Uh, but yeah, I suppose for Soto for this week, so it's bye for myself, bye from, uh, from Barry. Nope, nope. Barry from Ronan. Uh, it's been awful, Gordon. Thanks for listening.